passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. Podcast uh, week, like five of a quarantine life. Is that what we're at right now? I don't know, but I'm sick of it. and I'm even more sick of it now that I can't use my right arm. Yeah, do you want to explain why? I had a little surgery on uh, Monday. Yeah, Monday. Little, little bicep tendon repair after exploding my bicep, hitting my son a fly ball at the local ball field while we were in quarantine. So, uh, yeah, right now I'm more of a verbal contributor to WEI.com than a written because uh, I've yet to find a way to uh, comfortably type in day two post-op. Well, you're working, to- you're making progress. Uh, I'm trying. My son's convincing me that I should just do everything in like, google docs or whatever and use the the, the voice sound text. Type. yeah 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 can only imagine how that would butcher all the draft prospect names if i try to write about draft prospects that's true maybe maybe you should we should hire send an intern down there <laughs> so take a memo yeah. all right did you get a chance to listen to bill belichick's conference call or, or read the comments the other day i read i read the transcript um i would say there's a little bit more meat on that bone than i may have expected Um, I thought Bill was pretty good. Now, obviously, everybody pounced on the – for the last 20 years, everything's been – every decision's been made to put Tom in the best situation, blah, 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 Brady-related question, which I want to start there because I would – I think you could take that a couple ways. I think you could take it very superficial and on the surface and say, you have a quarterback, you build around a quarterback, just like 
I think the Baltimore Ravens will say everything we've done for the last 18 months has been to build around Lamar Jackson. Correct. And I think you should do that. That's called smart business, good That's football, good football one-on-one. Now the cynic or the other side of it could say it was a sort of reaction to the Tom Brady side that, you know, feels like, oh, he was left hung out to dry the last couple of years and no weapons and no town, you know, the Tom Curran angle um, right. that we've sort of listened to for months. And maybe even that Brady fueled into with some of his comments and even the undisputed uh, um, players tribune piece and things of that nature. I, I personally don't think Bill meant anything by it. That was my um, analysis or whatever reaction to it was that he was being honest. Like we've been a Tom Brady. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah was on with OMF. Uh, today, WEEI, and he talked about, you know, they've done things one way for 20 years. Is that because that's the way they want to do it, or is that because that's the way to do it when you had the quarterback named Tom Brady and that skill set? I think it was that. I, like, I think they're yeah. smart, and I think there will be an evolution and a change. And you, now, the thing you have to be careful with is when do you make that decision, and how do you make that decision? Is it a generalized decision that you're going to a more athlete-based system with an athletic quarterback right or do you have to pick the quarterback first and then react start tailoring decisions to that person that's how I took it and that's how I took the whole comment it was based off of I think basically they get players that that feed into Brady's strengths like they're not going to design plays for Tom Brady to roll out to his right and throw the ball 50 yards down the field that's just not how it happens. They're not going to design plays for their quarterback to roll out and have, you know, things base, be based off of that. They're based on getting the ball out quick, a three-serve drop, quick pass either to a slant or a seam route or whatever. That's how I took it, and I think that the people that took it the other way are kind of making a story that's not really there. Yeah, I think they took it the way they want to take it. Right. It's, you know, sort of like statistics. You can take quotes and make them fit your argument and add tonality that's – and I do it too. I'm not going to say that I don't do it. Right whether you're writing a column or whether we're doing analysis, you know, I can remember you and I joking and debating um, Tom Brady's comments to Peter King right after the season when he said, you know, hopefully it's with the Patriots. If it's not, I don't know. I don't know. And adding sort of a tone and a pause that may or may not have been there. And I think you can do that with this, but I, I do. I just took it as when you, and I think it's the same. It's just a personnel thing. When you have personnel, it doesn't have to necessarily be your your quarterback. It can be some of your key personnel on defense and how you build around them and what style of defense you play and the things you're looking to do. They had a certain guy who was really good. That's the other thing is you don't, you know, you can sell me on Jared Stidham, okay? Maybe he's the next guy, so you make certain decisions to build around Jared Stidham. I would never make a single decision about Brian Hoyer. Like I would never make one decision say, this guy will work well with Hoyer but this guy will fit with Hoyer. Hoyer not make decisions about. Like, and so, you know, for everyone that you make a decision, I would say it's the same. You know, teams get running backs. You know, uh, Le'Veon Bell on the Steelers. You know, that certain way he has of running and working with the offensive line and sort of putting those guys together. Like, that's just the reality is you piece together talent and you make decisions based off of your best talent. Like, think of the NBA. Yeah, you get LeBron and Anthony Davis, and then you try to piece – together complementary weapons around them and make every decision based upon putting those guys in the best position because you're going to go more so in the NBA than in the NFL, but you're going to go where your stars take you. You're going to go where your leaders take you. So you make decisions for Tom Brady. I, 
I thought it was a very innocuous comment that because of just the situation and Brady in 20 years and the split and the surprise and, you know, the little bit of the back and forth with some of the comments that got taken in a certain direction. But I, I'm with you. I read it in sort of a, a more innocent, honest way than I think some people did. So the conference call was supposed to be a pre-draft conference call. That was in the press right. release. And obviously that was Belichick's first public comments besides the statement since Tom Brady um, left the Patriots and went to Tampa Bay. And Mike Giardi was the one that asked Bill about Brady and the decision or basically did he, did he you know, making an offer to keep him around. Did, was he surprised by Brady leaving? And I think most people thought that Bill was going to give the standard, oh, we released a statement on that. You know, I, I'm going to go by the statement. But he actually gave so, not a long answer, but he acknowledged basically that Brady – he said, we'll be talking about Brady for years and decades to come, I think he said. And, but we have to move on now. But, so I think that that was more than I think anybody thought he was going to give, but also says that he realizes just how great and you know beneficial Brady was, but also we need to turn the page now. Brady's not around anymore. And they do need to turn the page. You can't um, – you know, I know Matthew Slater was big on you can't forget or just fail to acknowledge how important Brady was and how much he was the identity of the team and all that. But you also have to move on. You can't live in the past and – Right now, Tom Brady's the past. You need to live in the present and then the future. Figure out what the future is going to be. And what Bill gave you was certainly more than, let's compare it to a year ago in March when he you know, wouldn't talk about Rob Gronkowski. And moving yep. on from him, he issued a statement, a very glowing statement, sort of like he issued a very glowing statement from Brady, and then said nothing about Rob Gronkowski after that. This, I think, was warranted. You know, you know Tom Brady is a certain level player. He's even significantly higher than a Rob Gronkowski, who may be the greatest tight end of all time, but he's not a quarterback and he's not a 20 year Patriot like Tom Brady is. So I think the acknowledgement of, yeah, we're going to be talking about Brady for decades and we're going to be comparing people to Brady for decades. And we're going to be comparing, and he didn't say this, I'm just sort of adding, right. You know, we're, we're going to be comparing success for future teams to what success with Brady was for decades. But for right now, we're the 2020 new England Patriots who, don't have Tom Brady at quarterback, don't have a quarterback, have a competition, you know, need to figure out who we are, what we're going to do. You know, we're in a weird environment of, you know, no OTAs and a, and a virtual draft and everything that's going on with the coronavirus world. Yeah, you have to move on because if you don't move on, you're toast. Right. You know, you're talking about some of the biggest, I mean, I guess they're all going to be big decisions from here on out, but these are some big decisions that are being made. And if you don't move on and make them and sort of, you know, wallow in, oh, Brady's gone, and let's talk for Brady for hours on end, you're not doing anybody any good. The only way you're going to get any anything positive done is to move forward. And so I thought he did that in a relatively respectful way that, that he should. That's his job. You know, even Brady acknowledged that. His right. job is not, you know, Tom Brady or the quarterback situation. Bill Belichick's job is to run the New England Patriots, the entirety of the New England Patriots. And I think in his – you know, as I said, relatively respectful way. That's the point he got across. And then he was asked about his impressions of Jared Stidham, and that turned into basically him acknowledging that there was going to be a quarterback competition. Uh, and I think that, that people sort of ran into that. Like, Bill's not going to come out and name Jared Stidham the starter in April of, of before the season starts in September. That's just not how he does things. But do you th 
like, do you believe it on the surface that, that there actually is going to be a quarterback competition? And there's a chance that Brian Hoyer, or quarterback, whatever, could start week one? Is there a chance? Sure, there's always a chance, but I would I would term it it's I think it's Jared Stidham, Jared Stidham's job to lose. Right. Like he but it, I don't think Bill's gonna anoint him having thrown four NFL passes. Exactly. Just he's the starter. I I just that's not Bill's style. That's not Bill's style anywhere. I mean, we've seen him bring in, you know, big name or relatively big name proven players at other places, and then you get out there and they're second and third in reps sort of early in in training camp or whatever. I don't like you know, their whole thing is it's it's what you do once you get here. And now he's in a spot where he has a chance to do something. And it just makes sense. Like, I know we get caught up sometimes. And I think sometimes coaches are a little too honest because is Jared Stidham going to start? Probably. But do you need to say that? Do you need to put it on a depth chart and, you know, promote it on Patriots.com? No. Um, you know, I watched, it's funny, little aside here. Watched a football movie last night that was very, very good um, called Greater. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's, nope. a, it's a little religious. Um, it's about a kid named Brandon Bullsworth, I believe is his name. Offensive lineman in the state of Arkansas in the 90s who was a fat bastard of a high school kid who dreamt of playing for Arkansas, for the Razorbacks. And just it sort of goes through his whole trials and tribulations to get there but he ends up walking on and they kind of pity give him a pity walk on and he's fat and just terrible but he ends up you know long story short he ends up becoming good he gets a scholarship becomes a two-year starter the last two years it's a true story it's all a true story it's um ends up being considered the greatest walk-on in the history of college football and there's now a trophy for him he gets drafted by the colts and in, in like his first rookie minicamp um, I assume it's Howard Mudd. I believe that was their offensive line coach at the time. Yep. There's a guy by the name of Howard. Coach Howard comes over and says, listen, you're going to start on opening day. So relax because he's going a little overly aggressive in yep. some drills. Like, you don't need to be doing that. Like, you can – if he's out there with the starting line, he knows he's probably going to start. Like, Right. I, I've never seen the need. And, by the way, it's a good movie. I would recommend it even though you kind of know the story now. I didn't give you the, um, the key aspect of the story. Okay. So there is something you will not know, although you'll figure it out partially through the movie. Um, but, like, why do you need to tell him he's the starter? Like, if he takes the first reps, he's probably going to start to assume. Right. You can jerk him around a little bit in, in preseason games when you put him in, who goes in, you know, which game, whatever. But, I mean, like, why do we need to have, like, you know, a plane fly over Gillette Stadium that says Jared Stidham is the starter? Like, no, just – go in and he'll take reps and he'll probably take the first reps or whatever and go from there. But you also need him to, you know, prove something. He's never proven anything. And as much as all these guys have raved about his maturity and his work ethic, you know, whether it's McCordy or Slater or, um, you know, anybody else who's talked about him, James White, you know, he still has to prove it. He's, he's been there one year and you don't want, you know, that was something because Brady was here and now, oh, well, it's my starting job and any sort of, complacency to set in so I yeah I I wouldn't expect Bill to anoint a starter he probably won't tell us who's starting right up until we see the starter on opening day probably probably not probably won't be a definitive announcement of any sort 
Um, because why? What, why do you need to? Like, well, just, he's never done it with anyone, any other position. It's not, I know it's quarterbacks different, but it's not like he said, you know, I, I don't know. Like, he never said Dante Hightower is be our starting middle linebacker. Like, he's never. That's not right. his thing. That's not his style. And I know quarterbacks are way different, but he's he's never one to sort of say somebody's better, you know, at a different level than somebody else. Like, he's not – everybody's sort of the same person. I think he's not going to treat this any differently than he would any other position. Like, would it stun you – and I don't – you're more into these things than I am, but, like, the PFWA rules and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Would it stun you if the opening week before the first game, whenever that is, however that plays out, if the Patriots put out their press release and it says, Wednesday, Jarrett Stidham press conference, Thursday, Brian Hoyer press conference? No, because that's, oh, what, they that's what they did um, with Garoppolo and Brissett. Remember that when Garoppolo had the AC joint before that week three game against Houston? He, they, the Patriots had Brissett and Garoppolo talk in the locker room at the same exact time. See, the beauty of me is I don't recall that one bit, but I believe you 100%, and I think that could happen this time around too. Right. I mean, I, but you're right. I think everybody would watching training camp for whatever, whatever we actually do get to watch, you'll see – Jared Stidham probably take 80% of the reps with the ones, but Bill's never going to come out and say he's a starter. And I don't think Jared Stidham's going to say that either. He'd say, I don't know. I haven't been told anything. Right. And it's, it's definitely different, if you recall, for that season. What I do remember is Bill made it clear they were getting Jimmy Garoppolo to, ready to start the opener. At whatever point, you know, he said, you know, we've, we have to get a quarterback ready for the opener. That's Jimmy Ball. Whatever. I forgot how he worded it. But that was a little different situation. He had developed and proven himself, and they were very confident in what he was. Now, the flip side is sort of the way they treated um, Matt Castle. If you remember back in, I mean, 08, um, when Brady got hurt, they were flying in quarterbacks to be backups and to compete, in ball, and then they ended up telling him to turn around and go home. We're not – you know, Matt Castle's our quarterback. So sometimes I think Bill does – make decisions based on sort of the mentality of the guy and like right. showing that we're all in, you are our guy. But I don't think this is that situation. I think this is, you need to prove that you're worthy of being the starting quarterback of the New Patriots in September. And if you're not, then you won't be. Somebody else will be starting quarterback Patriots come September. The other quarterback conversation is, I know you're going to write something about it on Friday, is this Tua talk to the Patriots. And it's just – the more like more people are talking about it, and I actually emailed Dane Brugler from the Athletic today, uh, just for he's the, their draft guy, the sort of general. I asked just general thoughts on the Patriots at twenty three, just so I can have. I don't, maybe I'll use it down the road or whatever. But I asked like for a surprise, and he, without even me bringing up Tua, he said, "What would happen if Tua fell out of the top ten? Would the Patriots be prepared to move up to take him?" And just more and more people seem to be talking about that, and. I, like maybe there is some smoke there. Maybe the Patriots do like Tua, and if he falls out of the top ten, they trade up and get him. I just don't see it, but I'm starting to think that there may be more to it than we thought going into the last two weeks. Okay, well, so, you know, me, since I'm useless and a cripple at this point, um, doing extra preparation and research, I listened to Mike Lombardi's podcast. I don't know if you listened to that. I saw um, some tweets about it, yep. He said, you know, because he clearly heard the word, that I put in one of our blogs and I wasn't, you know, I'm not breaking any news. The only one that maybe all the injury stuff was him trying to get Tua to drop so that Bill Belichick could trade up or, or get him, make it easier to get Tua. 
and he said that's crap. But he also said a six-foot quarterback in the Patriots system, and he went into this whole thing about right. the system they built over the years, and it started with Gil Brandt, and they tweaked it in Cleveland, and blah, blah, blah. He has to be, like, the perfect prospect other than the height for them to, to go get him as a six-foot quarterback. It, their system is built on eliminating guys rather than promoting them, basically, and he'd be eliminated based on the height. He's not, and he's not good enough in everything else to overcome the height. Right. So take that for what it's worth because you could say, oh, he's doubling down on it now, really making it look like the Patriots would never be interested in Tua when right. maybe the Patriots are trying to get Tua. And we've also heard, you know, some people try to tie them to Herbert and that they're into Herbert and they're like Herbert or whatever. Um, but just in terms of Tua, he has legitimate questions that could drop him. He's, yeah. he's, a, a, he's become a little bit of more of a polarizing figure than I thought maybe because the injuries, not just the hip, but also the ankle injuries and the durability questions. Yeah. And then how good is he? And you combine those two factors, and I think, oh, some people, you'd be crazy if he slips to this and you don't take him. And then other people are like, you'd be crazy if you took him in the top 10. Right. Um, and I know Lombardi was sort of uh, theorizing that John Gruden would be a fit. He would, he would really like Tua in that I think, believe they picked 12 yep. and if Tua dropped in the low tens, eight, nine, somewhere in there, that they might pounce. He also has heard, which is sort of contradictory at this time of year, there's always back and forth smoke, but that the Jaguars owner, Shad Khan, is very interested in a quarterback, not necessarily Tua, but he's getting a little bit pissed off that they've passed on other quarterbacks in recent years and sort of missed the boat and that he wants a quarterback and maybe they're interested in quarterback. I think they're at nine. Um, if the Raiders might have to trade up to say eight to get to if they were interested in Tua. Um, so it's typical. I mean, we've all seen it going back to Marino in the early eighties, the whole quarterbacks and what teams will do to get them, what do teams will do to try to change their stock, you know, give opportunities, screw them, whatever you want to call it. I just, so even if Tua falls, like I saw one mock draft today of Bucky Brooks, you know, Tua falls to nine. Yep. Well, how are the Patriots getting to nine? Like, I like. Well, unless... Jeff Wyatt on the station today basically they would have to trade 23, two third round picks, and then next year's first round pick, right. which, as we said before, next year's first round pick could be a top 15 pick. And why would you do that for the Patriots? I, I, I can't envision that. I can't envision that at all. I, I wouldn't have envisioned it before Lombardi said it, but that's the other thing. You're doing it to get a guy. He has to be special, he has to be the guy. And I just – I don't know. Maybe I'm a, a Tua hater or whatever. I'm not a Tua guy that says you just go all in and go get him and you'll never regret it and you'll make up for that lost first-round pick. I, I think there's a good chance you would regret it. Um, I just – I don't see it unless – I mean, if he starts to fall, fall, like plummet, like if the medicals are really bad and then all of a sudden he's on the board at 18, 19. Yep. Okay, now you're in striking distance, but so is everybody else. Now that, right. that changes the whole – dynamic um I, I just I, I've never really understood it I know Ben Volan got to started with like a trade way up in the top five to go get him right I would hate that you know the the close the less you give up the more I guess I'd like it because I would say like if you don't like Stidham you know I, that's my been my thing well, that's all what along. I was gonna say it's if you're bringing to it you're basically giving up on Stidham and acknowledging that you don't like him right which I'm fine with like if you've made that decision then cut bait make the decision 
that he's not the guy you thought he was better than he was. And the guy he was his last year at Auburn was really who he is. And he's, he, he can throw a pretty ball, but he's not a good NFL quarterback. Any of those things, if you've decided that, then go get Tua. If he's your guy, if you're sure Tua is your guy, I would have my doubts personally. But you're in a time where you might need to be aggressive. You might need to make that decision or you'll end up being the Jaguars or a team that kind of goes year after year. How do I, oh, let's go get Nick Foles. Oh, we'll get this third round pick Minshew. Oh, we'll get this guy. Whereas if you go get a top five type prospect, if he slips a little, at least you're being aggressive. You may be dead wrong. And Lombardi did a lot of that on his previous podcast that, you know, it's less than 50-50. If you're taking a quarterback early in like the last, you know, since 2002, basically, now he went on a whole thing about um, Josh McDaniels and he's being coached by Josh McDaniels. That's great. Well, yeah, as long as it works because Josh McDaniels has coached quarterbacks that haven't panned right. out. I also find it funny because I had heard things over the years that Josh McDaniels was not the biggest uh, Mike Lombardi fan when he was in New England. And now I find it funny that Mike Lombardi doing a very good job of promoting Josh McDaniels, which leads us into our next topic. My column? Yes. I wrote today for the site that uh, Josh McDaniels has more to prove post Tom Brady than Bill Belichick does. Cause based my theory is that Bill, Josh is the one that's going to be implementing, implementing this offense. And he's the one that's going to be putting the wheels in the motion. Whereas Bill is more, he, everybody knows what Bill is. Bill's a great coach. He's a defensive mind. And there's more of a case to be made that Brady has made McDaniels over the years than Brady's made Belichick. Um, where do you, Fit, fit on that do you agree disagree I you certainly can make a case that Brady made McDaniels you can make that case I hate the column because no I like that you wrote it I hate the idea because to me Josh McDaniels can't win because if the quarterback situation blows well Josh McDaniels typical whenever he's not with Brady it falls apart look at those Rams years they were the 32nd best and if it hits I think Bill will get all the credit Oh, look at Bill. He went from one good franchise quarterback to another. Bill just didn't miss a beat. Best coach in football. Nobody better at restocking the cupboard. I, I think Josh gets screwed either way because I don't think he'll get the credit, and I think he will get the blame. Well, my point is that, like you. well the point is, no, that, that Josh should get credit if it goes well. But he won't. But to some people, yes, I think that is fair. But I think to people that see how it is for what, it's, for what it actually is, They'll give Bill credit. Like, I, I mean, Josh credit. Like, I, I will write the column then that Josh deserves credit for this. No offense, but I'd like more people than just Ryan Hannibal to write the column. I think right. there'll be a lot of suck butts that'll be sucking Bill's butt and giving him all the credit if they hit on whatever quarterback, whether it's, you know, Stidham or they draft Tua and Tua's good or however they do it. But would you also agree that – or even say that – Josh is the one that's going to be making this transition offense, going to be redesigning the playbook as opposed to Bill? I think so, because I think he is more modern-minded. I think he is – I think we've seen snippets of it with Tebow and Stidham and Garoppolo over the years where they had read option-type packages and some different types of things for them. But then I just – I want – like – no, I, I think Josh will have a big role in that. And I, I think, yeah. you know, I think even, um, you know, this will take us into another topic. We're gonna, I know we were planning on touching on the uh, Jed Fish, who's a offensive guru, mastermind, wide receivers, quarterbacks guy that by most accounts is apparently going to be the quarterbacks coach this year. And 
Nick Lombardi, who is Mike Lombardi's son, who we just talked about, which another family tie, friends of Bill Belichick, incestuous relationships. Um, he will apparently be moving over to coach receivers. But it'll be a, a group. But I see, I always fall back on it's Bill, for better or worse. Like, it's Bill. Like, I, I think he vetoes it. Like, even in um, the suspension season that we just talked about, the Garoppolo and Brissett, oh, you know, three different game plans in three different weeks and the way they were able to do that. Like, I think it almost always goes to Bill, the credit. I think Josh is sort of – Josh only gets credit in terms of – like, he still gets head coaching interviews. And, right. you know, if the offense is putting up big numbers, they'll talk about Josh McDaniel's play calling in the offense. But I think in sort of the – architectural type um, credit, it'll go to Bill, where it'll be like, oh, he saw Bruce, he saw um, Stidham, you know, and he saw that he could be, you know, maybe a blend of the athletic and the pot, whatever. And I, I think he'll get a lot of the credit. And then I think Josh will get blamed because people love to pile on Josh. Josh is a little bit of a polarizing guy. I think oh, yeah. a lot of people really like Josh. And then I think a lot of people really like to rip him, his play calling. Oh, what happened in Denver? What happened with the Rams? Oh, when you don't have Brady, you're not that good. Um, and he, to be fair, he's not the architect. Charlie Weiss was, you know, the original. Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's why you have the point that uh, McDaniels kind of inherited the Patriots offense where he didn't really implement anything. It was already in place by Charlie Weiss. And obviously he made it evolve over the years, but the foundation was not Josh's at all. It was Charlie Weiss. And I give him credit. He's always pretty much said that. He said, the system's been the same since I arrived here. The language, the term, like most of the stuff he always says has been the same since he got here and he's tweaked it. He's never really tried to take credit for building it or anything like that. And, but I also think that's kind of true with everything. I mean, there's only so many systems like Bill's system defensively dates back to like Bud Wilkerson at Oklahoma in the forties and how it got tweaked um, over the years. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch and part of it obviously that ties in is bill and like being 68 and being spread how thin in terms of you know last year he was essentially a defensive coach right. josh kind of was the offensive coach now you had dante over on that side of the ball so you had another layer of like depth and knowledge it's a little different i think when you say dante's gone and we're also bringing in this guy jed fish who is it Jed or Jeb? Jed. With a D. Yeah, two Ds. Two Ds? Yep. Double D. I like it. Um, when you're bringing in a guy who's an offensive – like, he and Josh may like each other, but now once you start grinding and working, like, do they butt heads? Does Bill right. need to step in? Are there ideas that get squashed that shouldn't be or should be, whatever? And does – you know – are you all in on is Steve Belichick, the defensive coordinator? And how does that work on that side of the ball? Or is Bill still in on that side of the ball? So there's still some of those questions in my mind as to how that all comes together. And it's going to be harder for that to come together. They're not going to be as good in all likelihood. They defensively, they could take a step back yeah. offensively. They're certainly going to take a step back. And when, you know, there's a little bit of tough times and then personalities and you know, what's going on. I think that, that will all very much bear watching over the course of the season. But in terms of your column, I think Josh – see, like, to me, this is like – like a lot of companies right now. Let, let's say it this way. A lot of companies right now 
are going through tough times with coronavirus and yep. furloughs and pay cuts and bonuses and dealing with people. And I think Bill is the guy at the top of the food chain on, on a company right now who says, listen, we need to furlough 20% of our staff. Um, we need to do X. We need to do Y. And then Josh is the next guy below the VP who actually has to go and tell these people. Yeah. Like actually meet with department heads, you know, enact it, figure out how it's going to go down, what they like, you know what I mean? So Bill's still going to be making the big picture decisions on to where everything goes. Well, I was going to say earlier that I think that Bill will have his, like Josh will go to Bill and say, Hey, look, I came up with this today where I want, I like this formation. I like this theme. I like this concept. What do you think? Like, right. I don't think Bill's going to be, you know, shocked on week one with what they're, they're running. But I think that they'll allow – he'll give Josh the freedom to sort of be off on his own, which we've seen in, the, in these futures. Like, don't we have these things, like, each week where he allows the coaches to come up with a game plan and then bring it to that, bring it to Bill, and he kind of tweaks it from there? I think we'll see sort of the same thing. Yes. That would be – yes. In all likelihood, that's, that's how it'll be. And, yeah, they're gonna be, there's going to be a lot of pressure on all of them. That's just the reality. There'll be pressure and expectations – that they can figure out a way. And, you know, the guy who has the most to lose, obviously, I would say is McDaniels because he didn't get a head coaching job this year. Sort of there were a lot of reports that he kind of wanted one. And if it hits the fan this year and they have a bad offense and whoever the quarterback is, let's just say it's Stidham struggles and looks like a, you know, mid-round first-time starter and he's throwing picks. Well, that's not going to help Josh's chances of, of getting a job and moving on and building on his resume and the whispers about, well, you, you're just sort of a Brady creation and you're nothing without Brady will only grow. Whereas Bill, yeah, it might, you know, people will be like, ah, oh, so maybe it's a little easier to win when you got Brady, but it's not going to, he's not looking for a job. It's not like he's not going to go to the hall of fame or, you know, no one's going to take his boat away or make him change the name of his boat or any of those stupid things. He's established his legacy. Josh still has, you know, a decent career ahead of him. And if he becomes the guy that was just the product of Tom Brady, that may hinder his future employment opportunities. What did you think of Mick Lombardi switching over to receivers? And do you think that – what does that mean for Troy Brown? I think that mean, like, I mean – I'm not surprised. Troy, do you think Troy is the head wide receivers coach and Mick's below him, or do you think it's vice versa? I, I mean, Mick Lombardi has been a coach a lot longer than Troy Brown. Right. Well, and, Troy, and Troy Brown's also accomplished more than Mick Lombardi. As a player, not right. as a coach. Right. And so, yeah, I, I would say if you made me guess, Mick Lombardi's the wide receivers coach and Troy is still some sort of assistant wide receivers coach. Um, and then apparently Jed Fish is the quarterback's coach. And, you know, well, you and I talked about this off air, like yeah. could Josh be an assistant head coach? They haven't had an assistant head coach in a while since Dante I was gonna retired say, the first time. Right. Um, maybe that's the case, you know, obviously it's a little, it's a little interesting because Troy Brown was a better Patriot than Gerard Mayo and Gerard Mayo came right back and was a position coach. Troy Brown was not really a position coach last year. He was an assistant and didn't really get any no listed anywhere. He, I was going to say, he never even made the media guy. He was basically a guy that was with Dion Branch during training camp and then stuck around a little bit longer and then just kept right. Just basically still had his key card that worked and kept showing up. I mean, do we know that he's still coaching full-time? No, we don't. Because it wouldn't stun me if he was a guy that was like, you know what, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to work 20 hours a day 
seven days a week for eight months. And right. That would not surprise me at all if he didn't want to. It wouldn't also, it also would not surprise me if they just didn't think he was ready for the title. Yeah. So, so, I mean, because you look at Nick Lombardi, he has worked with mostly quarterbacks, but he's worked with a lot of young quarterbacks as like an assistant quarterbacks coach. Right. He's going to be working with young receivers, whether it's Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, whether they bring in one or two more, even, you know, Demir Bird is a relatively inexperienced type guy. You know, maybe they don't think Troy's ready to just take over a room, and maybe it would be a different situation if it were, you know, oh seven. New, yeah, yeah. If it were like, you know, remember in 07, it was Kelly Washington, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, you know, all these guys who were like five, six, eight year veterans. Maybe it'd be different, but for this group, maybe Mick Lombardi's the better choice. Uh, yeah, it won't it won't stun me. In fact, I would expect, based on the reports we've read, that Mick Lombardi will be the wide receivers coach. Speaking of wide receivers, yep. You blogged about it today. Daniel Jeremiah, not real high on last year's first-round pick. Uh, did that get you kind of a little excited? Not excited, but, like, justified your uh, thoughts on the guy? Um, yeah. No, I won't say – no. I just – people, to me, still have such high hopes for Nikhil Harry that – and maybe I'm unfair, unfairly – I'm very reactionary, so this is very possible. I tend to overreact after a very short period of time. I, I just don't see anything that leads me to believe he's ever going to be – what he should be as a first-round wide receiver. And to me, a first-round wide receiver should be a number one receiver or at least – Well, Jeremiah acknowledged that he had – like Harry was taken higher than he had him graded last year. And I, right. I think you're right, though. Like Because he was number a first-round pick, he had the expectation of being a number one receiver. I think that he potentially could be a beneficiary of Brady not being around and playing more free. Like, I think he was thinking a lot last year with Brady in terms of, like, am I doing this right for him? Whereas now with whoever's at quarterback, he can kind of do his own thing and not worry in the back of his mind, am I doing the right thing for Tom? Right. Um, now, Jarrett, where did I read this? I read somebody writing about Harry and the scouting process, and they quoted a former coach or scout talking about how he just relied too much on winning contested balls yep. at Arizona State. And he can do that, but it's hard to rely on that all the time in the NFL because everybody else is so good. So good, yeah. I, that's what I – I look at him. He's going to make plays. He's physically talented. He has some skills. It's, just, it's the consistency. And I just don't ever see the consistency of a guy that's going to go out there and catch – eight balls a game or whatever it is for, you know, that's probably a little high. Let's say six balls a game and be just the true number one receiver. I think at best you hope he becomes a two slash three where he's even just a reliable more than an occasional playmaker. Cause right now I think he almost looks like a gimmick red zone. Like that's where he was in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Like a situational player. And you certainly should get more than a situational player out of a first round pick. So um, but who knows? You know, there's going to be a lot that changes. It may benefit him. It may hurt him, the quarterback change. Maybe there's more freedom and he just plays. And maybe there's Stidham scramble plays, which align with him, you know, physically. Okay, the route breaks off. And now, you know, like he had with that Brady play in the back of the end zone. Okay, it's not there. He didn't beat the guy, but now he breaks down. Boom, physical, comes across, touchdown. So 
if he gets some of those because of Stidham and, the, and maybe they build a rapport together, start working together, a trust, you know, like I've joked about with um, Mike Evans and Johnny Football, you know, Johnny Manziel. Like he helped build Johnny Football by just being a big broken play receiver down the field. Not that Nikhil Harry is anything close to Mike Evans, right. but if he just becomes an outlet guy that he looks to, Stidham looks to when there's, you know, breaking – plays are breaking down maybe maybe that'll benefit him but I I'm with Daniel Jeremiah I, I don't think he'll ever be elite I don't think he'll ever be a number one receiver I think at this point you hope he's a top three receiver consistently I apologize this podcast skipped a little bit um some time to time but we're just working it's quarantine life it, it happens it happens all the time I've been watching my um I was over my daughter's shoulder when her whole class met and like the principal came in like the principal bounces around and does different calls on different days and was like the, the teachers kept freezing and the principal kept chiming in like, oh, Mr. Finn Clark, yours froze again. Can you repeat that? I don't think anybody can hear you. So it happens. It wasn't that bad. So you know, we, we brought you this podcast. We continue to bring these podcasts. This podcast hasn't been affected by anything. So Plus, yes. have you watched ESPN? I watched a horse competition where Chris Paul and some WNBA player kept freezing and crackling and then you know, you watch all these. This is what everybody's doing. This is the reality. This is how the NFL draft's going to work. I was going to say, I'm sure the draft's going to have some points where it freezes too. So Right. The, you know, it, the technology is there. It helps us a little bit. But some of it is not perfect, and we're used to sort of perfect, high-quality stuff, and that's not what you're getting right now. So get over it. If you don't like it, screw you. What's our schedule for the podcast? We have the, the – uh, what do we got? The defensive line scheduled for later this week? Yes. You can drop that probably – we already recorded that, but we'll drop it for you tomorrow, maybe, Thursday. I don't know why you're saying we. You're the one who's posting it. I will post Thursday, <laughs> Friday, and then uh, we'll combine the rest of the defense, and then I think we'll give you one more sort of draft preview. Yeah, I'm looking forward to – yeah, we'll do the, the back end. We'll do some safety, some corners, and some linebackers, and then we'll get into sort of uh, predictions, mock drafts, you know, perfect Patriots, kind of try to pull it all – together for some of those early picks and maybe even by because that'll be next early next week leading into the draft maybe by then we'll have at least you know I don't know if I'll believe them but some rumors about trades or teams or I mean we got a hot rumor today that uh OBJ that the Browns could trade him to the Vikings right right so the more we get some of those you know teams trading up teams trading down what are the Patriots trying to do we'll have all of that in a big pre-draft uh podcast next week that I'm looking forward to Right. Uh, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you later. Peace out. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.